When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We waiting on reparations. Yeah. Yo, how you supposed to rock the vote when they trying to stop you though? Got the polls looking like the place that you don't want to go. Standing in these long lines wrapped around the block and mow. If somebody give you water, then the fucking cops will show. I think about the shit while going through a box of smoke. Knowing that they plot the most. Spit flames, drop and roll. Rick James couch approach. Big brain dropping quotes. Flip the table cause we need that swift change, not the pose. Going through the cons and pros, but I'm keeping honest though. Dope knife, rap phenomenal while playing dominoes. Lingua Franca said revolution, I'm saying vominoes. Look down the barrel of a gun yelling Geronimo. Yep. Go. 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 Hey, this is Lingua Franca. I'm Dope Knife, and we are. We are waiting on reparations. Hurry up. All right. So we are here with Devin Barrington Ward, a founding member, I believe, of the Black Futurist Group. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I am a new. Uh, ca- uh, city council candidate um, here Wait, in Atlanta. What? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting! I'm, I yes. like. I heard that you were maybe gonna run. I didn't know that you were like in. Yeah, oh, I mean, I filed my paperwork. It's official. Congratulations! You know, thank you. Thank you. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today to talk a little bit about just everything that's been going on in Georgia lately. Um, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I think you said something very insightful and would love the listeners to also share in this discussion of like, why is so much crazy shit happening in Georgia right now? <laughs> yeah. 
Georgia is is ground zero for what is the past. We're at the intersection of what's the past and what is possible for the future. Um, and when I say that, um, we are a jurisdiction, a state, particularly in Metro Atlanta, but across Georgia, where there are lots of Black people like yourself that are in um, leadership, that are decision makers, that are, you know, trying to blaze a path forward for something that is different, that are an extension of the vision and the dream that Maynard Jackson had um, when he first ran for office in Atlanta. Um, and we are also still in a state that very much is plagued by a history that has not been resolved, a history that has not been atoned for, and a history that's still celebrated. Um, and so there is a battle when you have a county like DeKalb County that has had Black leadership for so long. Um, but in DeKalb County, there is also the world's largest monument to the Confederacy. The symbolism is, is, is quite powerful. And so it is uh, symbolism that illustrates why Georgia is in the situation that it's in. Of course, this would be happening in the cradle of the civil rights movement. If this is truly white supremacy's last stand, then the battle lines and the battle um, the battlefield most certainly runs through Atlanta, just like it did during the Civil War. Um, and so while the methods um, at this point um, have you know, been a battle that has been waged in the political process, um, we also know that it has real consequences as far as um, life and death. Um, we saw an insurrection that was connected to the fact that Black people um, and a part of a broader coalition um, of people of color and white people with sense sent John Ossoff and De, um, John, Don Ossoff and Reverend Warnock, um, a Jewish man and a black pastor that used to, uh, that is still the pastor of Dr. King's uh, church, Ebenezer. Um, the response was to try and uh, stage an insurrection to overthrow an election. And what it really was about saying was, um, you know, we don't believe in democracy because democracy allows Black people and people who don't look like me to have a voice. And I heard something on NPR today that was really um, thought-provoking, is that democracy only works if we care for one another. The core fundamental belief of democracy is that people outside of yourself matter. Um, and so democracy in America will never truly function so long as we continue to collude and make bedfellows with white supremacy. And so in Atlanta uh, and in Georgia, uh, Stacey Abrams and her candidacy um, was a indication that the tide is changing. And so, of course, we would see in the legislature them respond with egregious voter suppression legislation um, because it is a response to what is the inevitable, which is that the meek will inherit. Yeah, exactly. And so I'd love for you to talk as well a little bit about um, your background in organizing and particularly uh, your organizing that you've done with the Black Futurist Group and even more granular than that, y'all's effort that is still ongoing to close the, um, the Atlanta jail. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, I can tell you all of the great things in organizing that I've done as far as like being a co-movement builder, helping start um, BYP 100, 
um, and it's in it in its exception, um, and more broadly the movement for Black Lives um, and for BL. Um, but my advocacy and my activism and my organizing is shaped by my lived experiences as a Black queer man who's grown up here in the South. Um, I have parents who are Caribbean. I have parents who had me who were young. I've seen all of the things that I fight for daily, like affordable housing and fighting to reimagine public safety and reduce the scope of the criminal legal system um, and to reform how we build wealth in Black communities is a direct result of having the background that I have. I saw my dad get beat up by DeKalb County police um, and nothing happened to them. Um, and I was five years old. Those are the type of experiences that shape the experiences, excuse me, that shape the advocacy that myself and other frontline organizers engage in on a daily basis. And so it's why the Black Futures Group, um, I founded it, uh, co-founded it to really reimagine the ways in which we use the systems that we have, the systems that we have dreamed up through creativity and Black excellence and the brilliance and of, of our collective community. Um, how do we um, reimagine our pathways towards liberation in our, in our lifetime? Um, a future where we are no longer um, you know, engaging with voter suppression, a future where we are no longer engaging with police brutality and an expansion of the police state, um, a truly reimagined future that's grounded in the perspective that Black lives do matter and that in order for the world to be saved, we have to um, uh, end our, our greatest atrocity, which is the ongoing um, uh, uh, hatred and death and genocide against Black people across the world. And so um, more granular, um, that means doing the hard work of like, uh, you know, being on the, the campaign to close the Atlanta City Detention Center, a campaign that was dreamed up by Marilyn Wynn, a formerly incarcerated woman um, who helped ban the box under Nathan Deal um, and said that, you know, her life's work would not be finished until she saw the Atlanta City Detention Center close. And so she worked in partnership with immigrant right communities, um, with people from the queer and trans community, like Solutions Not Punishment Collaborative and Racial Justice Action Center and Project South and Southerners on New Ground to formulate this alliance that has successfully um, introduced the end of cash bail at the city of Atlanta, helped end the contract that the city of Atlanta had with um, the uh, Federal Immigration Custom Enforcement uh, Authority to hold undocumented people. Um, and, uh, you know, to decriminalize cannabis after the killing of DeAndre Phillips, a black father who was murdered by an Atlanta police officer who was on undercover, who was in um, plain clothes and um, only engaged with uh, DeAndre because he smelled cannabis coming from the car. Um, and that was probable cause for him to um, open fire and, um, you know, send another Black father to uh, a graveyard instead of home. Um, and so all of these things, these reforms, again, birthed out of the experiences and the trauma of our people. 
um, helped inform the public policy that we use um, to what we call dismantle and starve the beast. And so we, because of these reforms, we were able to drastically reduce the population of the Atlanta City Detention Center and put it on a pathway where now we went from 700 people on any given day at the city detention center to less than 30. And so now, and, and, and that is the testament of, of a, a broad coalition of people focused on justice now and taking really actionable steps towards liberation through something as granular as a city detention center. But a city detention center that was built one of the first Olympic facilities because Atlanta at the time did not want to acknowledge that it had a problem as far as people um, you know, suffering from substance abuse and mental illness and homelessness. And we decided to try and lock away our problems instead of owning our, our, our community members, instead of owning people um, and, and recognizing that these are our, this is our constituency, this is our community, these are our neighbors. And it's imperative that we provide solutions and not punishments. Um, and so now we're moving in that direction. There's still work to be done. The mayor um, has introduced a plan to close the city detention center. We are in negotiations with her to bump up that date of the city detention center closure because unfortunately our newly elected sheriff who ran on a platform that he was going to um, engage in criminal justice reform has doubled down on trying to expand the Fulton County uh, Jail instead of working with the court system, working with community and the district attorney to ensure that we can appropriately uh, decarcerate the facility because there are people there who are not threats to public safety, who can be at home while their case is being adjudicated. There are people there who don't even need to go to court. They just need to have some services. They need some housing. They need some food. They need some health care. Um, and so instead of moving in that direction, he's trying to um, renege on the reforms that he initially supported as a member of the task force to close the Atlanta City Detention Center, a task force that I was proud to be a member of. And so we're holding everyone accountable to what they said they were going to do, including the mayor who says that she wants to get Atlanta out of the jailing business. I agree with that as well. Um, but also the sheriff who says that he wants to engage in criminal justice reform. And we know that criminal justice reform or, um, you know, things that are rooted in an abolitionist lens doesn't start with jailing more people. It starts with figuring out how we get more people home um, and recognizing that bringing people home doesn't mean that they have to be a threat to public safety if we are truly intentional about the wraparound services that our community and that our government provides. Because um, it's actually a cost benefit um, because you know, as a county commissioner um, in athens Clark County, that it is cheaper to provide someone services than to jail them. It is cheaper to build mental health facilities than to build prisons and jails. Um, and so we've got to hold local government accountable to that. And so that's the work that the Black Futures Group allows me to do, along with advocating for um, the end of HIV with our clients, the Black AIDS Institute, um, and uh, reimagining the cannabis industry um, through our grant with the Drug Policy Alliance. Um, and so the Black Futures Group has allowed me to uh, think, use uh, my imagination um, to dream up a future uh, uh, that is greater than the one that we are currently in today. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. 
Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We talked a lot about local efforts around reimagining public safety and trying to enact an abolitionist future. Uh, let's move to the state legislature and talk about yeah. some attempts at that level to stymie that work. Do we have to go to the state legislature? I know, I know. <laughs> I don't want to go there either. But, you know, people okay. people want to know. And people don't understand, okay. like, especially we with, gotta... with the marquee, like, voter suppression bill that was passed last week. A lot of people are missing some of these like uh, other, you know also very critical pieces of legislation that respond to other issues of racial justice that we've been fighting for for over a year and maybe people might not even pay, paying attention to unfortunately yeah i think um it's really important that we give people a timeline like i mean voter suppression in georgia has been happening since you know black people got the right to vote and so yeah. let's just be clear none of this is new it has just remixed itself and you know come up with and in another form, but it is the same Jim Crow beast that we continue to trap to slay in our communities. And, at, and the, the state capital is where Jim Crow lives in Georgia um, because it is codified into our laws. That means that Jim Crow is oftentimes seen throughout our laws and this voter law that was just passed is, is another example of that. More recently, it is a history that is in response to what happened in 2018 when Brian Kemp as Secretary of State oversaw his own election 
and purge people from the voter rolls. I personally was impacted when I received a wrong voter registration card that had my name spelled wrong. Now I'm a business owner. I've been a registered lobbyist. I've worked at the state capitol. I have a driver's license in Georgia. There is no way that they couldn't match my name up with public databases and address to make sure that they sent me the right voter registration card. Luckily, I was still registered to vote at another address and I was able to go and vote there so that I could participate in that historic election in 2018. What happened to me happened to so many other Georgians who were either purged from the voter rolls or sent wrong voter registration cards, forced to vote provisional, go jump through a bunch of different hoops. And we saw the ramifications of that cheating and it led to Stacey Abrams being cheated out of the election. But just like black women always do, she said, all right, bet, I got you. I got you, hold on, I'll be back. Starts fair fight and engages in uh, lawsuits against the state of Georgia and holding the Secretary of State accountable to what our current, what, what our previous election laws were. Fast forward to 2020, what happens? Uh, black people, a black woman, face the nation, right? Because Georgia turns blue, something that doesn't happen since 1992. But Georgia isn't blue. I, I love that uh, Reverend James Woodall, the NAACP president, made it really clear. No, Georgia's black, okay? And that doesn't mean that nobody else doesn't live here. But it means that we're grounded in a black politics that is grounded in the needs of everyone, right? Yeah. Um, and so we did this because, not just because it was good for black people, but it was for good of the country which is good for Black people and everybody else who lives here, even the folks who can't come to the conclusion that this is the right thing. So then we do that. Then we also, we not only send Biden and Kamala Harris, the first Black woman, to the White House, we also send Don Ossoff and Reverend Warnock to the U.S. Senate to make sure that Joe Biden has a Senate where he can get something done like the COVID relief package, which I, as a progressive, as an unabashed progressive, wanted to see much more done. But I recognize that um, until we get rid of the filibuster, this is what we were able to get done. And that would have been impossible had it not been for the leadership of Stacey Abrams and so many other Black organizers across the state of Georgia, like ourselves. And so the response to that was, wow, we lost an election for the first time in 30 years in Georgia. What are we going to do? We're going to say you can't hand out water in long lines because we know we love to have long lines at voting precincts. We're going to say that the Republicans can take over county elections um, as they see fit as a direct response to Fulton County. We're going to uh, outlaw mobile uh, uh, voting precincts as a direct response to Fulton County, which, uh, you know, not only always goes blue, but this time went blue at a higher level than it had previously done before. Um, and so the response to all of that um, uh, is uh, in, in Senate Bill 202 is really a reflection of how uh, Republicans and folks who are grounded in a white supremacist Jim Crow narrative see how 2020 really went down. Um, and instead of just losing and figuring out how to retool their party, figuring out how they shed some of these really archaic beliefs so that they could increase their chances at you know winning political office in the future, they recognize, no, actually, we don't want to um, let go of these racist, 
um, patriarchal, homophobic, and transphobic policies. No, we want to embrace that. We want to double down on that. We want to double down on our support for the rich and how we, we don't care about poor people. And so in order for us to double down on that, because we recognize that that is not a winning message across the state. So in order to increase our chances to win, we have to cheat. And so that is what these voter suppression laws are about. I hope that was a, a, a as good as an explanation as I could give. That was a great um, modern history of <laughs> politics in Georgia right there. Just, um, yeah, cover to cover. So what? So where do we go from here as organizers around the, this law that has to pass? Yeah, so we organize, you know, I love a good fall safe, fail safe. And I think it's very clear that we didn't just send John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock to D.C. because they're handsome men. We sent them there to get a job done. And the job that they have to get done is to lobby to their colleagues and lobby to the administration that it's time to stop the collusion with the filibuster because it is a old practice of, a, of an era that we say we want to end. Right. Um, uh, the filibuster is grounded in racism and a white supremacist history about essentially trying to protect the minority party, but not protect minority votes. And that's unacceptable. Um, and so uh, we need to get rid of the filibuster so that we can pass H.R. 1. So that way it would nullify um, anything that uh, the Republicans here in Georgia can cook up to try and um, impress Trump voters. And let's also be clear, like Brian Kemp, if you're listening, you might be listening and your people are listening. I want you to be really clear. Like it's over for you, bro. Over. Like, you know, you're getting primary. Trump is going to primary somebody against you and you probably won't make it out your primary. And if you do, you will be so battered and so bruised. And you see that the momentum is on our side. The numbers is on our side and you've done nothing other than fire people up and get and getting people really excited about making sure you're a one-term governor. Um, I personally am excited about it because he was involved with allowing uh, our state representative, Park Cannon, to be arrested. I was arrested in 2018 in response to the election, along with then state senator, now Congresswoman Nakima Williams. So one thing I want to say is we the last Black woman that you arrested went to Congress. So be careful what you do here <laughs> uh, because where's Park going to go after this? Fuck around Sky's and find out, limit. yeah. Um, you know, fuck around and find out, absolutely. And, you know, what is also really clear is, is that, um, you know, Brian is making policy decisions out of desperation um, because he knows that um, while the, there is a wing of the Republican Party that has been taken over by Trump, that's not palatable for a general election. Nobody wants to deal with that nonsense. People are not going for a governor who campaigns with a shotgun on TV anymore. It, you know, we're not we're not going for that. Um, and I think people recognize where um, the mistake of being apathetic led us for four years. And um, we're realizing that we we can't make that mistake again because. People like Donald Trump, people like Brian Kemp are existential threat to humanity, not just to black people. Um, in that, um, we're talking about just like organizing more, getting more people out, seeing that Brian Kemp is defeated. 
you know, in some conversations I've had with organizers, we've been thinking about how to respond to the specific contours of the law. So, like, if you have to have a, 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 a picture ID in order to vote absentee, go into a door to make sure people have what they need to get that in, in addition Absolutely. to the other forms of canvassing that we're doing. So have you thought at all about the ways that our organizing might shift around um, the particular contours of the laws that has been passed? Oh, absolutely. I already know that, you know, for me, like, um, you know how you walk up, work around making sure that you aren't giving people water in line? You give them water when they drive into the parking lot. Boom. You make sure you make sure that they have a lunchbox when they before they get in line and they've got a lunchbox at the parking lot. You know, it doesn't matter. We'll get our people what we need. So whether we figure out workarounds like that for, you know, not allowing folks to get uh, water in line, uh, we'll go to the courts if we have to about the GOP takeovers of local election boards. Um, And then the ultimate thing that we can do is Brian Kemp is not the only one who's on the ballot. And we need to make sure that we get these um, do, you know, we need to make sure that we get do nothing Democrats out of there and, and primaries. Um, so that way we have real fighters down there at the General Assembly, people who can actually join part and Renita Shannon and Erica Thomas and so many of the other black women and progressive legislators that are down there so that we have a fighting chance. And then we also have districts that are primed to be flipped. Um, you know them quite well. Um, right up here, uh, right they're, up they're, here in 117 with Michael Johnson. We came close, uh, you know. Absolutely. And so we we know what we have to do. Uh, and so we'll do the workarounds, I think, knocking on doors to make sure that people have what they need so that they can vote absentee is amazing. I think um, making sure that we can provide our people with lunch boxes and water before they even hit the line. So that way that's not an issue either. Um, but we'll work around whatever issues um, um, this law presents. And I'm also confident about our court battles as well. Um, and I think the lawsuits that the NAACP filed um, and uh, ACLU and Fair Fight, I think will um, yield good results in court. Yeah, I, I love that there's so many levels to it. And there always are. There's like being in the streets, being in the courtroom, being on the ballot, like, and we got we to do use a multiplicity of tactics in order to win. Absolutely. There is no one tactic towards liberation for our people. There's no tactic, one tactic for justice. There's a multitude of tactics and a multitude of pathways that we have to take. And some of them include, a lot of them run through the political system, and also a lot of them involve dreaming up and building our own new systems as well. Absolutely, absolutely. One tactic that I've been seeing a lot, particularly from folks out of state, is hashtag boycott Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask your opinion on calls, particularly among folks in Hollywood, to boycott our state as a response to um, the legislation that was just passed. Before I weigh in with how I feel about it, I don't want to color the conversation with that, how I feel. I would love to hear your thoughts on this particular hashtag and call to action. Yeah, I feel like you should be taking direction from on the ground organizers. You should not be taking direction from people in Hollywood. Um, because I know um, everyday working Black people who work for Delta and who work for some of these other corporations that we are disappointed with, and we have to be nuanced with how we approach these things. Um, And I think whatever boycott strategy that we cook up has to be cooked up with workers. It needs to be a boycott strategy that doesn't just 
attack, uh, you know, voting rights issues, but it's an opportunity to expand issues around labor rights and worker rights. Um, and so we gotta be smart about how we move things. You know, as a community organizer, I believe in strategy. I don't believe in, you know, just pop-up activism. What's the strategy behind it? What's the end goal? You know, what's the long, what's the long game? What's the short game? And so I wouldn't suppose to say that I have the strategy for what a boycott strategy could look like. Um, folks have to remember that when, you know, people were doing boycotts, um, particularly in the 60s, yeah, it had a different economic impact because most of those Black people were locked out of those economies in the first place. We have right, to recognize, right. right. That's what we people have forget, to, yeah. We're in a different time. We're, you know, for better or for worse, we are tied up in this economy to some extent. And so to boycott and not, you know, take into account the impact that would have on um, Black businesses that are serving as contractors to larger companies, right? Um, I don't feel like they should have to suffer because, you know, Coca-Cola didn't do what they were supposed to do, which was to turn the faucet off and stop giving money to these reckless Republicans, right? Um, but with that being said, I do think that there are some tactics that we can use uh, that are direct action tactics. Um, and I do think that boycott strategies are things that can work, but it has to be a strategy and it can just be something knee-jerk and we have to figure out how we keep Black people who are tied up in these economies whole. Absolutely. I mean, I can't agree more. Just I try to encourage people, you know, listen to people who are doing the work. Y'all want to stay in Stacey Abrams all day? Great. Listen to what she has to say, actually. You know, don't be following, like, Mark Hamill or whatever, like, producer or whatever Marvel thing you like on Twitter because they said it. But, like, who is out here going to be impacted, first and foremost? Because I'm so glad you brought up, like, the labor struggle. Like, you know, the folks that keep this economy running. It's, it's not the CEO of Coca-Cola. It's right. the, the people the putting workers. the cup in the bottles. Yes, the, the gig, gig workers. workers. The people who are doing... Do you know how many, like... that's the That is such a reckless statement. Yeah. You know how many Black people provide catering services to these yeah. film crews that come to Georgia? That provide transportation service to these film crews that come to Georgia. Like, all of these things are important aspects of the local economy, not just for, you know, the community, but particularly Black people, right? And we have to recognize how we use, how we wield and use our economic power, and it's got to be done in a way that's strategic. Can't just be done in a way that is emotional. Yeah, and it has to be done with people who are impacted and who are doing the work, rather right. than something that you want, impose upon hear, them. I want to hear boycott strategies from working class people. I want to hear boycott strategies from what, what the opinions are of poor black people on boycott strategies, because, you know, how are they going to be impacted? And that doesn't mean that we, you know, don't use it as a tactic, but it does, it, what it means is that we don't cook it up in a vacuum by ourselves. And it's not just, you know, people with privilege and access who are dictating for the rest of us how we are supposed to respond. I feel that, I feel that for sure. Um, to pivot back to public safety and closing, there's another bill yeah. that's been going through the state legislature this session, HB 286. Yeah, and it's, I, I believe, not alone among the anti, 
Uh, it's not. There's House Bill 289 as well. But I know okay. uh, 286 is, is 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 your neck of the woods. That's Houston Gaines, right? Uh, I don't claim him. I don't know that man. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I think Never he out there. I, I, I think he live out there by you. <laughs> no, no. He does not for long, so we gonna fix it. Oh, right. Okay. Exactly. Let it. Be, okay. Let it be okay. known. Right. We will send. We will send you home, um, Houston Gaines. Um, yeah. So, um, so, what do these bills do? And I, I know you you testified in front of the uh, Senate House, a uh, Senate, uh, Senate House Committee, a Senate uh, Committee in, in one of their hearings on yeah. uh, some of these bills recently to give voice to some of what makes them problematic. So if you could explain to the listeners what's going on at the, at the state legislature level as well, stripping uh, local control um, in the realm of public safety, in addition to our election integrity. Yeah, so let me give you, and I think history lessons are important, right? Last year, this is recent history, last year, uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, he was killed by a former police officer. Um, uh, all of those things culminate into the uprisings over the summer. And the uprisings over the summer are not just uh, uprisings. They are uprisings that are anchored with a policy demand, a policy demand that was formulated by years of abolitionist work, years of reimagining public safety, led by the Movement for Black Lives and for BL um, and other like-minded organizations and institutions that are coming very clearly with this demand that we must remove funding, um, uh, the, the ways in which that we fund, at the levels in which that we fund, um, to police and the criminal legal system because it's not working. Black people aren't safe, and the broader community keeps saying that they don't feel safe. And so there was a very clear demand, particularly in the city of Atlanta and in Athens Park County, uh, around repurposing and reallocating resources in the police department budget. In the city of Atlanta, our budget is $215 million a year. $215 million a year. The police department is one of the highest, if not the highest outside of the aviation division, um, as far as our costs for our city budget. And it is insane because what we haven't seen is as that budget continues to fluctuate, people in my community continue to say, we don't feel safe. We don't feel safe, not just from people who could do us harm in the community, we don't feel safe from the people who are supposed to make us feel safe, which are the police, but we have to recognize that that's a false dichotomy because policing in this country was grounded out of slave patrol. And so it has never been about public safety not particularly the public safety of all citizens. It's been about oftentimes protecting white property, protecting white people, and anything that has an extension or tentacles for that. Um, and it's never been about protecting black and brown people. And so because of that, um, we in Atlanta, uh, via council member Antonio Brown, introduced the Rashad Brooks bill, which seeks to lockbox a portion of APD's budget to serve as a negotiation and bargaining chip to make sure that we're actually going into negotiations with the police department about how we are gonna reimagine public safety with an actual bargaining chip, which is your budget, uh, a portion of your budget. There were so many lies that were shared about that, that bill. 
that it was going to fire police officers. There was that was not what was going to happen. That we were going to cut uh, 60, 67 million dollars from the police department budget. That was not what the final number was. That was what was going to be withheld until the police department in the city of Atlanta went through a reimagining public safety period for approximately six months, and then the rest of the money would be relinquished to support whatever recommendations and legislation moving forward on how the police department would be reorganized under this new structure. So I think it's important that people understand what the Rashad Brooks bill was supposed to do and what it wasn't supposed to do. Because of that, that bill almost passed and only lost by one vote. One of those votes against the, uh, the, the Rashad Brooks bill was Dustin Hillis, the council member that I am challenging in Council District 9. Hallelujah. Yes. We love to see it. We love to see it. Um, and so because of that, Houston Gaines decides My state house representative for the listeners. <laughs> you know, um, if you could hold two political offices, girl, you could, can't, why, we, that's what we need to change. You could be the commissioner and the state rep. I know you could do both. I could wear, I could put on like a mustache and some glasses, <laughs> like a beard and be like, run as like, I don't know, rich white guy. And yep, just like, yep. oh, I'm here to, yeah, and just, yeah, do both. Right. Right, we could do the opposite of what Rachel Delazar did. It's okay. Yes, but. yes. <laughs> uh, that would be funny. Wouldn't it be funny a bunch of black people going around and say, I'm not white, like, I'm just No, white. I'm white, I don't know what you're talking about. I guess we do have those people, they're called Candace Owens. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, you know, that bill, um, you know, prompts Houston Gaines to introduce his bill at the state house. Um, which is preemptively uh, uh, deciding that counties and cities cannot cut any funding from their police department budget, which let's let's just get into the particulars about that. One, all of the counties, the county's lobbying agency, the uh, uh, organization, the Georgia Municipal Association is adamantly opposed against it because guess what happened? As your budgets, if you decide not to cut anything, as your budgets go up, if there's a recession, if anything happens, you can never, under that legislation, you can never cut your budget. No one wants to be handcuffed like that. But from a movement perspective, we don't want to be handcuffed to broken public safety policies. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again. And what we have been doing as far as public safety in Atlanta and across the state of Georgia is insanity because people are saying they don't feel safe. And so if Georgia spends $8.3 billion collectively between its local governments and state government on police, prisons, and jails, and people aren't feeling safe, then that means we're doing something fundamentally wrong. And so Houston Gaines to introduce this legislation is handcuffing the rest of the state to a broken public safety policies because there is no correlation between an increase in police funding and an increase in public safety or a decrease in crime in our community. And so we just have to be honest about that. The data doesn't shake it out. It's just none of nothing supports that. And so we got to be real about it. And so I expect for uh, the Georgia Municipal Association or some county uh, or some entity to sue uh, because it's also a question around constitutionality because the state can't it's interesting. We So is the state going to start mandating and saying that counties have to spend this much on education? 
Are they going to start mandating and saying, absolutely not on parks and recs and environmental justice? You know, Republicans out there, I would be really wise about what you all support right now, because this is under the assumption that you all are always going to be the decision makers. And as a progressive, I love that when the numbers finally shake out in our favor, I would love the opportunity to dictate to all counties across the state that they fund fully fund public education. You all are setting the precedent. So be careful yeah, what you support. You, appreciate y'all. Be careful what you support. Because there are progressives like myself and Mariah and others who are in office, who are going to be in office, that are waiting in the wings to take their seats. And we will take what you built for us to build our communities in the ways that are equitable and liberation and freedom is seen within our lifetime and we stop the oppression and the disenfranchisement. Um, And so that is where that bill is right now. Um, It did get passed by both the House and the Senate. It'll be interesting to see if Brian Kemp signs it. I think he will because he's trying to double down to a Trumpian base that's not gonna support him. Um, And then there's also House Bill 289, which is a really scary piece of legislation because it would then increase some of the penalties for protesting the felony charges. Mm -hmm. And so we already see the ramifications that uh, Representative Cannon was charged with two felonies, a sitting legislator. And so what chance does the average citizen have as far as what they could potentially be charged with when oftentimes we see that many of the times when these protests are escalated, it happens on the side of the police um, with equipment that they've gotten from the U.S. military, decommissioned tanks and riot gear um, and machines of war that shouldn't be used to police a citizenry. Um, and so we've got real challenges that we have to address here in Georgia. But again, um, I think people, you know, Charles uh, Blow's book, uh, The Devil You Know, uh, Black Power Political Manifesto, is such a powerful uh, uh, narrative on what is potentially possible because more and more people, even with all of these bad bills, continue to move down to Georgia. More and more people continue to make Georgia home. And there's a homecoming and there's a recognition that these bills will only have a very short term impact. Um, and and that um, the momentum and victory is really on our side. So it's all right. This is white supremacy in a death spiral. It's okay. And it doesn't take L's lightly, but it's going to take its final L any day now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, th- when I saw white supremacists storming the U.S. Capitol, I said, oh, my gosh, y'all really, y'all really are concerned about losing power because... Normally, you just sit in an office and make decisions that impact Black people horribly. Normally, you just run for office and be a Republican and do horrible and introduce horrible public policy on behalf of your constituency, or you, in some places, are a Democrat and do those things. And I said, at the point where, you know, people are storming the Capitol, marching in the streets saying, you won't replace us, this must be white supremacy's really last thing. It's a death rattle, um, and yeah. so it's, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to see, um, but because the way that they're acting out, because it means that um, the ways in which they used to enact white supremacist power isn't working, um, and and recognition that the the powers the the scales are really tipping towards the people who have been oppressed for so long by your BS. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Well, Devin, thank you so much for your time. Where can people uh, follow you, donate to your campaign, find out more about what you work? Yes, so please visit devinforatlanta.com. My website will be up at the end of this week, beginning of next week. Um, and you can also find me on uh, at Blue, Devin Barrington Ward, Devin for Atlanta. Um, if you want to connect with the Black Futurist Group, it's blackfuturistgroup.com. Um, and then you can always find me on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Devin Barrington Ward or Devin for Atlanta, and I will pop up. Same thing on Twitter. Um, and I hide in public. So, um, you know, come out to any of the rallies, um, protests, advocacy yeah. days. You know, I don't have a clone. It is actually me. <laughs> I see you in literally every picture of every protest going on in Atlanta. And I'm just and like, how? And it, how? <laughs> and it don't be on purpose. I just be out there doing my thing. I don't even it's be knowing that the it's cameras beautiful. be out there. I just be like, but, um, you know, I, I thank God that I got my grandmother's photogenicness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Granny. Thank God for Granny. One thing I will end with is what um, my lived experience is, is what informs my advocacy, but it's also something that's in my DNA. My great-grandmother, Olga Cassandra Bogle, is a descendant of Paul Bogle. Paul Bogle is one of Jamaica's national heroes. He led a rebellion in 1865 against the British government. Um, even though he was a free man who owned land and could vote, he led that rebellion because his neighbors could not. 
His neighbors weren't entitled. His neighbors weren't entitled to due process. His parishioners weren't entitled to the same safety and freedom he was able to experience just because he had wealth. Um, and uh, it cost him him and his brother's life, but it also changed the course of Jamaica and led to greater self-determination. And so, um, you know, my advocacy and my activism is a extension of that um, inheritance of uh, fighting for freedom and, and, and justice um, um, for Black people and liberation in our lifetime. Um, and I fully believe that I will see it in my lifetime. You will too. I believe we will win. Yes, I believe we will win. Well, thank you so much again, Devin. Thank you. Hey, this one goes out to Delta, Coca-Cola, all these other corporations that bankroll Republicans, election cycle after election cycle, who didn't say shit when this motherfucker was pushing voter suppression laws through our state legislature. So fuck you. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Now that it's too late, these corporations want to come and say they disapprove of SB 22 and the Republicans are so absurdly clownish, feel like I'm selling some funnel cake, especially considering the thousands of these suckers pay every time Republicans and nuns and run complaints and nothing they're using the power, it's suddenly a mistake. Y'all put these fools in office, now you're hemming and you're harming, they enacting the law to make our democracy harder, oh my god. Where were y'all during the legislative session and what y'all gonna do now to stop blatant voter suppression? But Coca-Cola give the voters water next election, so the rest of us don't have to get arrested. We'll start to stop writing checks to bankroll all of these justices and start cutting some checks for Kaleo in four directions, huh? My ultimate conclusion is this. These corporations ain't just safe. As a matter of fact, corporations ain't shit. The power that we need to be the power of the people to get your feet in the street and rust the races to win, uh huh? That's it. Have a good week. Hey, I'm Lingua Franco. I'm Dope Knife, and we are waiting on reparations. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.